This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. My guest this week is Claire Larson, who is currently serving as visiting professor of music and director of symphony band at Carleton College. Claire also is director of bands and the band program at Kenyon Wanamingo Middle and High Schools. She earned a Master's of Arts in Music Education from the University of Minnesota and a Bachelor of Music from St. Olaf College, where her principal teachers were Miles Mighty Johnson, Dr. Timothy Marr, and Dr. Craig Kirchhoff. Claire has lived in Northfield for the past 20 years and has been engaged with music in the community that whole time. It's time to find out more. Let's talk with Claire Larson. Claire to Musician Talk. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. And um, we were just talking beforehand how we, we kind of felt like we knew each other. And there's some connection through St. Olaf and the Jennings and all that. So it is a, you are a familiar face, which is just lovely. And I'm so happy to have you on Musician Talk. It's fun to be here. In fact, I looked at a lot of your previous guests. I went on and, and looked at them. And of course, many of these are my colleagues and friends from previous jobs or people that I've done work with in the past. So just very, very thrilled to be here. Oh, good. Well, we're going to d- dig right in. And I think I say that every episode with your musical journey. What instrument did you start with? How did you get interested in music, your family life, music, family life, all that kind of stuff up to now in about 10 minutes go. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, I uh, was uh, born and raised in Illinois. Um, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, um, Aurora, Illinois. And I think I started piano lessons in probably second grade. Oh. And, um, my, and my parents and my family valued music highly. And they thought the entry instrument would be piano. Additionally, you know, my, my grandparents on one side were musical Uh, My aunt was a music teacher in Minnetonka. So music was a very important part of the family life, even before I ever came into the world. So uh, in second grade, I started piano lessons with Marilyn Perlini. And I can honestly say she was amazing and made learning music so positive and practicing was not a chore, but um, was, was, Uh, rewarding and um, fun. So that was my first experience. And I, I I did, you know, my parents understood like practicing is important. And um, they supported me throughout my journey on the piano. Nice. When I was in fifth grade, I had my first experience, you know, with an instrument and I chose to do the French horn. And as uh, many students choose out their instrument, sometimes it's an you know, someone that they admire that played that instrument, or maybe it's the sound. And I I really, truly don't think I thought very deeply about what instrument would match my personality. But I had an older um, sister whose best friend played the French horn. And I said, well, that would be cool. I should play the French horn. Amazingly, it is a great and perfectly suited instrument to my personality. How great is that? I know. And it's not easy. I mean, it, it, no, you know, you could start that and go, no, 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 no. I don't want to play an instrument because this is too hard. Right. And so because I had that piano background and a solid, you know, ear, um, I found success on the French horn, you know, pretty, pretty early. And that was, that was really fun. And um, 
So I studied privately. My parents set me up with several horn teachers and um, the horn teacher that really got me advancing and inspired about the horn was Stephen Thurlow, who was a director at a Marmion military Academy at that time. And he, uh, he would come to the house once a week and he would challenge me with transposition and orchestral excerpts and just wow. all sorts of uh, technique and etudes, which just blew my mind. Like, oh my gosh, I had no idea this stuff existed. So before I even went to college, I was getting quite savvy with transposition. And these are things that, you know, college horn players do. Transposition, you know. just so people out there know, what do you mean by transposition? Well, um, in orchestral music, mostly, um, horns are, a lot of the repertoire will call for horns to transpose the music into the key of E flat or the key of um, A or, you know, concert concert C, because the orchestral repertoire um, from earlier, you know, centuries had only one horn and they would put in different crooks into their horn to, to, adjust to different keys. Well, we don't have crooks anymore for our horns. So we now have to use our minds to transpose into different keys. So when you what you're reading is a different note than what you're playing, and you have to transpose or figure out what the new note is in the new key in your brain while you're playing it. Correct. Yes. Not easy. No, not easy. But you know, um, and, and I won't say that learning that when I was 16, was easy either. Right. But as I got more used to it, and as my teacher, uh, you know, helped with the process, um, I felt more confident. And then uniquely enough, now as a band director, you know, I can pick up any instrument and transpose and and that has served me well as a band director. No kidding. Um, Wow. So, so, um, yeah, I mean, those little things uh, and, I mean, there's so much value in the private, you know, lessons that you take when you're little, because uh, in a school band program, you can never get to that level with a teacher. They don't have that kind of time, you know, to put in individual students. So uh, back to Steve Thurlow. He was (laughs) an incredible mentor and definitely one of the people that inspired me to go on in music. Um, I also had a band director in fifth grade and his name was Mike Fagan and he made music so much fun. You could tell he really enjoyed his work. So when I had Mike Fagan in fifth grade and shortly thereafter, Steve Thurlow as my horn teacher, I'm like, I think I would love to do this as a profession. And um, so very early on, I thought I was going to be a music teacher and I never wavered from that. And to this day, I feel like I chose the right profession. So that's a pretty rare thing. And a blessing. What a blessing. Yes. Yes. Wow. Um, So then um, with that in mind, everybody's like, well, if you're a horn player and you um, are going to be a music teacher, you have to look at St. Olaf. So I, um, early on, I had written a letter to Mighty Johnson and I said, Mighty, I'm going to be your horn player. I'm going to come up to go to St. Olaf in like 10 years <laughs> and I'll see you soon. And you know what? Mighty wrote back to me. I and, don't uh, doubt it. I don't doubt yeah. that he's the, he's he the said, kind of man that you know, would. <laughs> I wonder if I still have that letter. I bet I do. And he wrote back and said, thanks for your note. I'll look for, keep working hard. I'll look forward to seeing you in the St. Olaf band in a couple years. <laughs> and um, sure enough, I ended up at St. Olaf. And um, that just basically changed the trajectory of my life in every department wow. from 
who I ended up marrying to um, <laughs> the opportunities I've had as a musician and as a teacher. Um, St. Olaf was a pivotal decision to, to go there. After St. Olaf, um, at that point, I had decided to marry my husband, John Larson, who is a euphonium player in um, the St. Olaf band. And we were in a brass quintet and we had a wonderful time with our um, with that little group for four years. I was alerted to a graduate fellowship opportunity at the University of Minnesota. And that fellowship was put out on Craig Kirchhoff's, maybe his first or second year up at the U of M. And he was really working to kind of get some traction with his top wind ensemble. So I applied for and auditioned for the graduate fellowship in at, to play in the wind ensemble and in a, and in a woodwind quintet. And I was accepted and I, I decided to go directly on to grad school and I got my master's degree at the University of Minnesota um, in music education. So. Wow. Well, you say wind in, uh, quartet, but French horn isn't a wind instrument, is it? Right. Okay. No, I mean, well, it's not a woodwind. So the wood the woodwind quintet has uh, clarinet, oboe, flute, bassoon, and horn, because horn is kind of a chameleon instrument. It can kind of go back and forth between brass and woodwind and presents a, a unique tone color Got it. To, um, to both ensembles. So yeah, I ended up being in a woodwind quintet up there. And then of course, the top wind ensemble with Craig Kirchhoff, which was quite the different experience than the St. Olaf Band. I bet. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's been an interesting journey. No kidding. No kidding. So a couple of things that caught my attention was, and you said this about a couple of your teachers that they made, they made the lessons playing and practicing fun. how did they do that? Well, if you go back to piano lessons, um, I remember my piano teacher would encourage us to memorize um, pieces. And if we had 10 pieces memorized, we could choose a prize from her prize bucket. (laughs) And her prize bucket had very unique things, you know, fingernail polish and stickers and some candy and unique trinkets. And of course, for a, you know, an eight, nine-year-old, that was golden. Yes. And I do think memorization has a wonderful place in, in, in music education, that ability to work your brain in a different way and put things to, you know, to memory um, is valuable and not just from a memory point, but a psychomotor skill, you know, um, on instruments. When I I ask my students to memorize their scales, those psychomotor skills of of patterns in the fingerings is really, really important um, in in mastery and confidence of of technical things. I don't think anybody has talked about uh, the importance of teaching memorization. And I agree that it uses probably a different part of your brain. It tends to be kind of an old school concept, but I do, I do find that that's a valuable thing. Um, So, and you know, the other thing in, in my, um, my youth, when I was doing piano lessons and, and horn lessons, my teachers always had mini recitals, places where I could share my talent um, with my family. It was just a very low key type of, um, supportive atmosphere where you would play for your family and friends. And I do think that if you're going to be a musician, part of that experience is sharing that gift with others. So I enjoyed that. The performance um, aspect of it and, um, you know, making sure that you don't have performance anxiety and if you do, how to deal with that. 
the the nervousness and the anxiety that comes with comes with performing. I guess the only way to deal with that is to do it, is, yes. is to perform, right? And that is definitely a part of being a musician for a lot of people, right? Exactly. Yeah. So tell me, this first piece that you picked out is a piece um, by the Kenyan uh, Wanamingo Band in 2020. So why don't you tell me about this position you have down there? Okay, so I am um, the band director at Kenyan Wanamingo Middle School and High School. I have uh, been there for 12 years. And so my program and my position um, is the entire program. So I teach from 5th through 12th graders. Um, So I start them in 5th grade. I wrap them up um, when they're 18 years old. And we have this unbelievable relationship that I I am privileged to have over eight years with students and families in my band program. Wow. That that is unique. And how valuable, how valuable, right? Do you really know the student? You know how they learn? Yeah. I just went out with one of my former students yesterday. We went out for coffee and um, and she is a graduate of Wartburg and we enjoyed visiting. So there are lifelong relationships that you make with, um, with these students. And, and honestly, you know, sometimes I think I, I know these kids more intimately than my own children because I spent <laughs> eight years with them nonstop for hours a day. You know? right, right. While your other kids were with some other teacher, you were. Right, right. So it's, uh, and I, you know, I do, I do get to obviously spend great time with my own children, but it is a a unique situation to have that. And especially when you have multiple kids from the same family, then you really get to know those families well. Um, So that, that position has been wonderful. I've really enjoyed Kenyon Wanamingo. I have four bands, a fifth grade band, a sixth grade band, a middle school band and a high school band and my program, all of my students are close to about 185 now. So it's a, quite, quite a wow. few um, students. We have a good representation of students who do music in Kenyan. Wow, you are a busy lady. <laughs> that sounds like quite a handful. This, this uh, first song, is this the high school band? This is a high school band, um, and we are playing Arabesque by Samuel Hazo. And this is a fantastic piece with just really riveting rhythms and mm-hmm. just it keeps you on the edge of your chair. Um, I happen to have um, a unique group of, of students this year. I had a flute player who was a two-year All-State flute player, Katie Van Epps. And she is, um, she's at St. Olaf actually now. And I had trumpet players, a whole section of them that could nail high C's. I had woodwinds that could play technically very fast. And and my, my entire band was very stacked, a huge percussion section. And I knew this was um, the piece I wanted to do with them. So it's a category one. So that's the highest level of difficulty in the Minnesota state high school league. They give you three categories, one, two, or three based on the level of your piece. This was a category one. So this would have been the most difficult um, type of piece that high school bands would perform at contests. So this recording we performed at the state music contest in early March and two weeks later, everything shut down and I Mm. never saw those seniors come back through the door again. Mm. And that was just devastating because it was one of my um, most talented groups to ever come through as a whole. And we had to cut the year um, short. That is, that would be devastating. So much devastation with this pandemic. Amazing. 
I absolutely am blown away by this band. I thought it was the college band when I listened to it. It it's the oh, I'm speechless. Seriously, I got chills. It's just like you gotta be kidding me. This is a high school band. Well done. Oh my gosh. Yeah, thank you. So, with that setup, um, here is the Kenyan Wanamingo High School Band recorded in ninth in 2020 live playing Arabesque, a portion of Arabesque by Samuel Hazo, directed by my guest this week. Claire Larson.
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. We just heard a portion of Arabesque by Samuel Hazo, performed by the Kenyan Wanamingo High School Band in 2020 and directed by my guest today, Claire Larson. Who was that flautist? It's Katie Van Epps, and she is now going to be a sophomore at St. Olaf College. What a, what a player. Just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, and, and this song, I just love, love this song. This, the melodies are so, so uh, just pleasing. They're just so pleasing. There's something about them. And there's drama and there's all, all that going on. What a wonderful, what a wonderful selection to play today. Thank you for that. Yes. So I want to talk about this quote um, that I picked out for you, which is an orchestra uh, full of stars can be a disaster. And the reason I picked that is couplefold is, you know, quite often, particularly, let's say in college, you, probably the, the people that you have in your band in their high school, particularly if they're from a smaller high school, were probably the stars of their bands and uh, leaders. And so you have a, if you have a band full of, of, of so people who have been soloing and, and, and the, the best in their pool that they came from. How do you, how do you, well, how do you deal with that? Do you have to deal with it at all? I just assume, I think maybe it happens more in choirs. <laughs> maybe I don't know because I'm a singer, I would say that. Um, but what does that mean to you? Okay. Well, you know, I think that um, in an ensemble, uh, it's important that everybody knows their role. Um, uh-huh. Sometimes there's a time for you to shine. And then sometimes there's a time for you to act in a more of a, a supportive nature and, and to perform a more of a supportive role. Um, and, you know, above all, like the goal for musicians in an ensemble is to serve the music and you need to do whatever it takes to create, you know, that, that sound or that balance to make the music be what it, what it's supposed, what it's intended to be. The other thing is, as far as the, uh, the stars, you know, yeah, we need stars in every group. Um, because, uh, you know, in, in music and sports, you need a star, you need someone, you need many people to be able to, to be able to be confident on solos and stand out. And that's what really wows, you know, the audience. Um, but also having a mindset that when we have a performance, we present ourselves as a whole. So we, take pride in the stars that are performing solos um and we and and but yet that's something we all get credit for because we we make that happen for each other so um yeah the mindset of of serving the music and presenting ourselves as a whole is is important but the stars are important too so we don't want to um extinguish the stars that's a good thing (laughs) I love band music because um, there are moments when the third trumpet has the most important part in the entire band yes. or the third clarinet and, and everybody needs to, you know, come down so we can hear the third clarinet or the bass clarinet. And that's, that is special because you can't hide <laughs> you the star and you're not playing the lead, you know, principal chair. So they're just moments. <laughs> That's wonderful. That is just so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, we need our stars. We need our supporting people. And I think what you said is so important and it, it kind of applies to everything, which is you're there to serve the music, no matter right. what it is, if it has to do with solos or supporting or 
anything, you're there to serve the music. I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, before we play the second piece, about your visiting professorship at Carleton. How'd that come about? Well, I've had several different uh, runs at uh directing bands at Carleton, I was first selected in 2015 to do an interim band um, position for Dr. Rodman as he was on sabbatical. So I was there for the whole year, 2015, 2016. And that was fantastic. That was, you know, long before the, the pandemic and things were business as usual and we didn't even know it was coming. And it was, <laughs> right. uh, I really enjoyed working with that band. Um, kids that were playing football and just wanted to play in the band on the side, kids that were just searching out that artistic musical experience to round out their college um, experience. And I loved that. So I told Ron, if you, if this happens again, please keep me in mind. Um, Sure enough, last year um, or a year ago, he knew he was going to be um, taking another sabbatical. And so I applied for the position and I was at Carleton from January through May of 2022. So like two term um, interim position. And that was a, a little bit of a different experience because we were still, and we still are kind of amid the pandemic and all the unique um, challenges that that had on, on music making. We had people in and out of the band uh, with being quarantined and uh, numbers were lower than they had previously been. But the quality was just as exceptional as it was, you know, nice. six, seven years ago. So uh, when I, so Dr. Rodman decided that he was going to, to retire from the band position at Carleton, you know, effective last year. And he's continuing to teach in the Carleton music department, you know, his, um, his classes, but just did not want to be able to, he wanted to phase out his retirement. Got it. So um, as they were searching for um, a replacement for him, um, I did express interest if they wanted me to come back to do the position again, I would love to do that. So uh, they did invite me to come back and mm-hmm. I am planning to um, assume the position for the whole year as visiting professor at Carleton and j- just doing the symphony band. Wow. I don't know how you possibly could add that to your plate because you're so busy. That's amazing. That really well, and you know, I am doing at Kenyon Wanamingo, I did take a um, one semester leave of absence in the fall so I could really hit the ground running with Carlton. And then I'll return to Kenyon Wanamingo and then do both Carlton and Kenyon in, um, you know, <laughs> from January through the end of the year. So that'll be a busy term for me. Yeah. But it's hard, it's not sustainable to continuously do two jobs because right. <laughs> they do require quite a bit of artistic planning and um, and people management and, and coordination. So <laughs> what are some of the specific challenges to being a vis- visiting professor? You know, since I'm new or since I'm only visiting, maybe they'll be reluctant to register thinking that, you know, how is it going to go? They'll be they're They're not certain how things will go. Um, Certainly the students I had the last two terms were amazing. And I do think that there is a sense of uh, dedication and loyalty amongst those students. I I believe they'll return for me. (laughs) I'm hopeful they'll return. 
And then again, just getting um, new students in the door, freshmen in the door, and kind of showing them what the program's all about uh, will be uh, hopefully a positive thing that we can build off of. Certainly that instability of being a visiting professor and taking over for Dr. Rodman, who has been just such a important figure in that program for the last several decades uh, will be, you know, it'll be a little bit of a change. Do you get to choose your own music when you're visiting or does it kind of depend on when you join the staff? No, I am. I have complete autonomy with my repertoire and that's something that I'm just thrilled about. I'm the music faculty, um, Dr. Andy Flory and my colleagues in the orchestra and choir department. They've just been very supportive in just letting me do whatever I want to do, which is just how it, how it should be. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they trust me, they hire me to do the job and, and, and know that I'll, I'll deliver a good product. So. That's wonderful. Um, I want to go back a little bit before we hear this piece about the grading thing. Let's just dig into that a little bit more. So you said that the piece that we heard that the Wanna Mingo uh, Kenyan Wanna Mingo band played was a uh, grade one and that's that for high school. Oh, That's sorry. A cat, sorry, it was a category one. Category one. And yeah. that was for high school, a category one for high school or for? Uh, well, oh. it's for the Minnesota State High School League ha- um, uh, puts music into categories so that they, the adjudicators have a better sense of what level the band is playing at. And then um, that is kind of the basis for the judging at, at state contests. But music is graded on a scale of like one to six, or most people will say from easy to advanced. Um, But the number system is really helpful, especially in high school and middle school colleges, you know, they all are playing advanced music for the most part. So, um, but when I say my fifth grade band plays at a grade one and my sixth grade band will play between one and a half and two, and my middle school band is playing grade two and three, and my high school band will play anything from three to five, you know? Got it. So um, that's kind of where, like, you can see, and when you talk to other band directors, you're like, okay, so that's kind of where you're at with the kind of the level of music your students are playing. It's a great shorthand to have discussions about that. And also, it's got to be so helpful when choosing music that you don't have to look through it all to see how difficult it is. Absolutely. But when you get to colleges, I mean, like there's absolutely the grade two salvation is created by Chesnikoff. I mean, that's a very slow lyrical piece. That's probably a grade two, but like maturity of sound and Uh. the ability to pull off a stellar performance on that would require, you know, more, (laughs) more advanced players so uh technically you know you might have a piece that's not graded you know very highly but colleges are still going to play it you know so colleges should not not be limited to just playing advanced music you know they can play anything well that's interesting to say that you know technical ability is just one aspect of playing of course and how fast you can play notes and how how you can put those notes together but yes tone and sustaining notes and blending and all those other things. Intonation. Absolutely. And that's a great segue to this next piece, by the way. (laughs) 
And I let's talk about intonation and about su- sustaining notes and the difficulty of that and how and how you teach to to for kids to do this well and to blend and to pre- present it well after we listen to the piece. Okay. Uh, so why don't we set this up <clears throat> exactly who's playing uh, this piece and when it was recorded, uh, just set it up for us, if you would. Okay. So this is a recording of the Carlton Symphony Band playing a movement from the Lake Superior Suite, which is by Kate Nishmira. Um, and this is the fourth movement. It's called Knees. Um, and this was presented at our spring concert called Superior Music from the Big Lake they call Gichigumi. Here it is.
This is Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. You just heard the Carlton Band, directed by my guest today, Claire Larson, perform Knees from the Lake Superior Suite by Kate Nishimura. This piece is the fourth movement of superior music from the big lake they called Kichigumi. So lots of held sustained notes. This is a beautiful piece. It's very reflective um, and yet expressive. And so my first question to you is, it's uh, as a singer anyway, it takes so much air to hold a note. And depending on where the note is in your range, it may take more or less uh, breath. And breath support for an instrument and a voice is, of course, key to kind of everything. So when you have these long sustained notes by uh, all the the full band, how do you teach that? When you have um, sustained lyrical, you know, music that you're working on, um, number one, you know, to create that sense of, of blend and sound, you know, you're going to want students to stagger the breath. So we talk a lot about, okay, no one's breathing here. Like no one can breathe on this bar line. This passage needs to continue moving forward here. The other thing is when we talk about blend, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Putting our sounds in other people's sounds, like listening down to the tuba, the lowest instrument in the band, and then trying to wrap our sound into the hole so that no one sticks out. So that's, that's a, that's a super important thing when you're playing lyrical music with a solo line, like we had in knees um, that the only person sticking out is that lead soloist who's playing, you know, the, the melody. Um, And who was that that, soloist? That was Caleb Watoka. Um, He was uh, outstanding uh, saxophone player. Um, So Again, being in that supportive role, sustaining the music and not having it stagnant, but have, you know, movement. So keeping the air, spinning the air and moving it forward and then um, staggering the breath and having gentle entrances. So nothing is sticking out. Um, tricky stuff. But, you yeah. know, I, um, I I wanted to play this piece as a contrast to the other because it showcases such different skills than the first piece. It does. Um, and it highlights some of the talents that older students have, which is, you know, they're more developed and in control of their tone production and their intonation and, and, and those things that were displayed in that piece. So many of these things seem a little bit ineffable. It, it's hard to nail down exactly what intonation really is. I mean, do you want to be in the center of the note as, as close to the center of the note as possible as far as uh, frequency or, or hertz? But how do you teach that? And yet you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's pretty well, cool. and what you really teach is when it's, uh, <clears throat> what you really notice is when it's not into right. And that's when um, you, you know, you, you have to jump in and, and, fix things. Um, But, you know, the vibrato on, on uh, solo passages can help uh, to hide intonation issues, but, you know, generally the other instruments in a supportive role are not playing vibrato. (laughs) Those, those instruments should, should not be playing vibrato. So there's another thing that is very ineffable, which is expression. 
and how you teach expression, because this is a very expressive piece, but yet how do you put your finger on why it's more expressive than, than another band playing it, let's say. How do you address that with, with your students? First of all, um, the students need to know what the piece is about. Ah, yes. They need to understand where um, the, the, you know, the inspiration behind the music to help them better connect with that. Yeah. So um, the, this whole Lake Superior suite is a collection of pieces that um, are geographically connected to areas on Lake Superior. So knees is a section of um, uh, an air. Actually, I think it's a a park um, in Canada on Lake Superior. And it was once a prisoner of war camp. Oh, wow. When you see, when you hear the music, you know, it's dark. Yes. And a little bit um, foreboding, you know, when you get to the climax of that. And so connecting students with intent or inspiration behind the piece is the first way you can get kids to to connect and, and show the emotion and the, um, the artistry um, with, with yeah. it. The other thing is, you know, as a director, you know, I spend a lot of time listening, studying scores, um, listening to different interpretations so that I get it right. You know, right, right. I screw it up. There's no hope for anyone else. <laughs> you know? And I mean, that's happened before. You know, um, if I get the wrong tempo, if I get, um, you know, if I don't, you know, if, if I break up phrases and stuff. So some of that stuff is shown, you know shown to them, you know, through me. And then a lot of that, but the soloistic passage that's on, that's on the student to put his own um, artistry in that. So. Beautiful, beautiful. So we're getting toward the end. And so it's time for best gig, worst gig. And I'm just wondering if you have any stories for us. Well, I mean, I have moments, you know, like worse moments and I'd like to focus (laughs) on that. Um, because I, I mean, you know, every gig has highs and lows, but um, I, I thought about this. This was definitely my worst moment. <laughs> I was, um, I conducted the uh, Northfield Community Band back when my, uh, in between gigs, um, probably in 2006, 2007, 2008. So um, pretty a long time ago, right? So, you know, when you're performing outdoors on Bridge Square, you have a lot of, um, lot of circumstances that you don't predict like wind like um trains going by you know cars motorcycles storms and so you know we were playing one of the musicals it was either i think it was les miserables or something you know a collection of of uh, medley and um you know in a medley you're switching tempos you're switching time signatures you're switching pieces and the wind got a hold of my music oh, no. and blowing things. And I didn't, I couldn't figure out what page I was on. And so I knew the music, but I had heard someone probably Timar or someone say, if you ever get lost, this could have been mighty too. If you ever get lost, direct in circles. So I just was <laughs> directing in circles and I was meeting in circles, meeting your hand, yep. your hand that you direct with hand, is going in circles. Direct in circles so they don't see, am I in three? Am I in four? What tempo am I? You know the tempo, just keep it going and move your hand in circles until you find out where you're at. Wow. So I can honestly tell you that was the first time I've ever been lost. 
um, because the wind took my music and, and I couldn't find what page I was on. But eventually, you know, the band knew they were on it. So I eventually mm. found them and we were good. <laughs> so that was the worst and most vulnerable um, moment. And I could have stopped and I wouldn't have cared really at all about it. People are very forgiving in Northfield. Mm. Um, but we, just a matter of probably 20 or 30 seconds of people being confused. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you're here standing on end and your stomach right. turning and going, ah, yeah. no. What am I going to do? Yes. Yeah. It was, that was pretty, uh, that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. So that was probably my worst performance ever. So, yep. All right. Let's move on to the good news. How about the best Some, or one of your best, at least that sticks out? Um, I can give you a couple of things that I really loved. Uh, the things that went really well, um, yeah. this spring in Carlton at Carlton, um, we did this Lake Superior theme, and I was able to get a hold of um, Dr. Mike Shaw. He's a professional photographer. I was able to use his imagery of the Northern Lights over Lake Superior, and we set that to a piece called Aurora Borealis by Rosano Galante. And so that was really cool to have the Northern Lights set to music mm. um, by the Carlton Band. So that was a favorite moment um, that I was able to conduct. It was just a beautiful um, experience for the audience and the students. Um, one time I did um, a concert um, called Innovate, and we had commissioned Dan Coleman uh, um, from Northfield to yep. co- um, compose a piece for our band. And that was just, it was so cool how he, he, he knew the spirit of my band program and he put it in music and it was oh. just so cool to, to have that. Um, so lots of little moments of awesomeness that I'll never forget. You know, those are the ones that kind of stick out in my mind. I love that. And it's a great place to end the show. And thank you so much for coming on and taking time out of what we all know now is an extremely busy schedule to sit down with me via Zoom for this interview. It was just delightful. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Many thanks to Claire for sharing her musical journey and some of her music with us today. Thanks to Matthew Zimmerman, Carlton's AV production manager, who helped get music to me for this show. And thanks, as always, to Wendy Norquist and to you for listening to Musician Talk on The One, KYMN. Have a terrific day.